Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And that is launched out to deep left field. Big fly for Mike Trout. This is ground ball to second base. Red Heeple falls down, picks it up, fires the first. The Angels have no hit. The Seattle Mariners. It's gone. Big fly for Anthony Rendon. Hey guys, I'm Alex Curry. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. This is Brendan Marsh. This is Chris Rodriguez. You're listening to the All Angels Podcast. And welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am Dan Garcia, and this time joined with Mike Brown. How you doing, Mike? Hey, Daniel. How's it going? Good. Good. You know, we just got done watching the Little League Classic, the Angels and the Indians. Um, we'll get to that game in a bit, but we're here to kind of recap, you know, the whole series as a whole. And coming off of that great comeback Thursday, uh, Thursday evening, Thursday morning, if you're obviously in the West Coast, uh, and a sweep of Detroit at that. Granted, it was Detroit, but Detroit, as kind of said at last, last podcast, it kind of reminded me a lot of the Angels where it's like, you have some good players here and there. You have some young promising guys. You have an older guy taking up a bunch of money. Um, yeah. You know, so it was a good sweep, I think, going uh, when they faced uh, Detroit before this last weekend. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Um, you know, Adele had kind of his moment as a halo so far with that grand slam on the top of the ninth. I think that that was in game three. Um, but yeah, overall, it was a solid, solid series against the Tigers. Um, I know a lot of people were expecting uh, Miguel Cabrera to hit number 500. <laughs> but they ended up getting a, a big show out of uh, out of Otani that game where he started and then hit his 40th. Um, but yeah, probably Otani's best start of the season, maybe one of his best starts of his career so far, going eight innings. Um, but yeah, it was a really coming off of that series. I think we, as as Angels fans, we were definitely at a at a high for sure. Yeah, so they go into Cleveland again. Um, this this whole road trip has been pretty weird for the Angels. I mean, you you talk about the in the makeup game with New York at the beginning of the week and then flying to Detroit, flying to Cleveland, flying to Williamsport, now getting on a plane now to go to Baltimore, at least have a day off on Monday to kind of uh, get a kind of a grip of everything and kind of relax a little bit. But so yeah. the first game out in Cleveland was Friday night. You had uh, Jaime Berea on the mound. And again, one of these guys too that we've mentioned a handful of times on here where he could be a good starter. He's shown glimpses of being a good starter. It's just that consistent um, mentality being out there and able getting out consistently is what's really hurt him, and that's exactly what happened this game. Brea only going two innings, six, um, yeah, six hits, five runs, three strikeouts off a home run, and that kind of, I mean, you, you knew the Angels weren't going to do that again as far as coming back from what was it, eight or ten down against Detroit. So right. when Cleveland got up five um, in the first two innings, you knew that they're going to have to start kind of chipping away at, at it right away. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, looking at his line and then Selman came in, uh, Marte made his debut. But yeah, apart from Berea's kind of five earned runs, um, the bullpen did okay. I think I think Guerra actually gave up three as well. So yeah, yeah. not a great start all the, all around for, for the pitching staff, for sure. Um, you know, they get on the board with a Fletcher RBI. 
uh, single, I believe. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it was, it was a tough start. Um, you know, when there was five, nothing there, uh, going into like, you know, the, uh, it was like the fifth or sixth inning. I was like, you know, maybe there's a shot. And then I think that, I think, um, the Indians dropped like three in the bottom of the sixth there. So, yeah. um, at that point I was like, yeah, I don't think this is going to strike twice <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And, and then just, it kind of a, you know, like I mentioned, they've had that great comeback in Detroit. They scored all those runs in Detroit. And now it just seemed like coming to this game, their bats weren't there. You know, only getting uh, four hits. You mentioned that one RBI by Fletcher. But, you know, Altani and Fletcher get hits in a game, which is kind of like kind of expect that. And then you have two hits at the bottom of the lineup by Suzuki, which you don't expect. But everyone else gets kind of shut out hit-wise and being able to get on base. Angels end up going two for five with runners in scoring position, but only leaving four on. But that's just part of the – the pitching performance by uh, by Cleveland was really good. Right. Um, they had that guy in where he was supposed to be like an opener, ends up going mm-hmm. four innings because he he, just, <laughs> he was doing so well. He only I feel like I hit. feel like that's the second time that that's happened to the Angels this season. I can't remember. It was maybe like two weeks ago. The Angels were playing a team. They had an opener. It might have been the Dodgers. Oh, David Price was supposed to go in. Oh, okay, yeah, and okay. He ended up going like four or five. So yeah, it's happened a lot this season. Yeah, so obviously, like you mentioned, Gara gives up a uh, some runs late in the game. But you mentioned a name that was um, a lot of people were excited to see, and that was uh, Marte. Was uh, the guy he got traded over in the Watson trade, I believe, from San Francisco? Mm-hmm. Jose Marte, reliever, uh, flamethrower, looked really good in his first outing. Yeah, two innings, four strikeouts. I think he gave up a hit. Um, but yeah, he looked he looked really, really solid. Um, yeah, has a nice live fastball, has a nice kind of breaking pitch as well. Um I don't know too many details, but uh he's on the IL now. Right. Um not sure for how long, but I mean, obviously a guy that will be an interesting piece to kind of, you know, look at in, in spring training next next spring. Yeah, and exactly what people have thought about, you know, going into next year is the bullpen. How is the bullpen going to look next year? Who do you keep? Who do you not keep? Who do you bring in? But another guy that's only 25 years old, another young arm that isn't some of these older relievers that are, you know, again, it's not like old like me and you old, but like 29, 30, 31-year-old relievers where it's like you kind of have a feeling like, Sooner or later, that arm's going to give out, or it's just not going to be the same as it was, you know, two years previous. But right. they have a lot of young guys. It seems like going through the bullpen right now. We have Andrew Wants who pitched in the next game. We have um, Austin Warren who pitched earlier tonight. We can we'll get to that when when that game pops up. But you know, there are at least for me, I don't know how you feel about. It, there are some pieces in that bullpen that at least shown right now that they can be high leverage or close to high leverage guys next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you talk about Austin Warren, you know, friend of the podcast, obviously, but yeah, he, <laughs> he's, uh, he's really, really come through very strongly. Um, you know, he's been, I think he's been pitching very well. He's, he's, he spotted his fastball really well. His, he doesn't bl- really blow it by guys, but that 93 mile an hour fastball he's got, he knows how to place it. Um, and yeah, he seems to just like mo every time he comes in, it's like one or two pitch at bats for guys and he gets like these lazy fly balls that, that are able to make for kind of quick innings. So he's been making quick work of guys. Um, obviously we'll see maybe if we can get some more out of Marte before the season's over, get another closer lick. Uh, look wants uh, or Wance is a guy that's kind of come up and down a few times um, with kind of mixed results. He's been pretty good for the most part though. Um, and yeah, I'm just thinking, I don't think I'm missing anybody else. It's kind of, yeah, those are kind of like the young, young guys. Yeah. I mean, um, 
Sam Selim is a guy that they, like you mentioned, got in the trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know he has quite a bit of years left, like control wise, but he's 30 years old. So it's kind of like, I guess you keep him around because he is so cheap. And if it doesn't work out, if you cut him or whatever, you're not exactly yeah. losing a ton of money. But so going on to Saturday, um, Detmer's day, mm-hmm. you know, Reed Detmer's, we talked about this so many times before his, you know, first couple games pitching for the angels is you know oakland la um and then houston so it's like facing cleveland a team that kind of has had struggles offensively you think okay he should be able to come out and really um piggyback that great outing he had against houston on this one but that wasn't the case from in this game Denver's only went two or three and two-thirds innings giving up seven hits three runs Walked three, which I think was a huge factor. Struck out four um, and gave up a home run. Struck out four. I think his strikeout numbers are always going to be up just because of what he throws and how good he can be. But mm-hmm. that walk number is something that you know you kind of have to watch, especially three walks in you know just under four innings. Yeah, the homer that he gave up to Ramirez was on one of his uh, curveballs, actually, that he kind of left up in the top of the zone. And Ramirez being kind of like the elite hitter that he is really just kind of, you know, just flicked it out there (laughs) and kind of crushed it, (laughs) kind of crushed it, actually. But, um, you know, he's he's having his growing pains, which is fine. I think there's a lot to kind of hang your hat on. Um, I think he shows a lot of maturity for his age. I mean, he's 22, 23. He's like a year and a half out of college. Um, I think he shows a lot of good composure on the mound. I think he looks, he doesn't really look rattled out there. He kind of just kind of goes after it. Um, but yeah, I mean, these are kind of growing pains, um, that you can kind of come to expect a little bit, um, out of Detmer so far. Yeah. And a a great example of like kind of the growing pain situation with pitchers, young pitchers is the, the, the pitcher for the Indians, that game, Trinston, uh, McKenzie. Uh, McKenzie, another 24 year old guy where if you look at his numbers in the beginning of the year, they weren't bad. They were, they were bad. Like he was walking guys at an alarming rate. He was not getting guys out. He always had like, like Demers had this stuff, but wasn't able to control it. And then, you know, I don't, I don't know enough about it, but they kind of talked about it on the broadcast a little bit, but where, you know, after the all-star break, he kind of changed some things and has been pretty much lights out almost through a perfect game, his previous game against Detroit. So, you know, it is very possible that not only Detmers but a lot of these younger guys on the Angels can make an adjustment maybe it's this yeah. season maybe it's something in the offseason but you're trying to see it with a lot of younger pitchers just in baseball in general get them out there get them their bumps if you will and then let them kind of adjust and if the good if they're good and if they're mentally there they're going to adjust and hopefully that's something that you you can hope for like with a Detmers and you know uh Chris when she when he comes back and all that stuff yeah and and real quick a good comp when I was watching Detmers pitch yesterday and and seeing kind of him struggle I was like you know what we were we were thinking the same thing about Patrick Sandoval maybe like exactly a year year and a half ago we were like this guy looks super talented but like he can't get through the fourth or he's struggling or he's walking guys or he's getting lit up you know later on in his outing but and look at Sandoval now so um you know all hope is not lost for sure yeah, it, it just it takes a process, and I think sometimes fans, Angel fans, I think maybe just fans in general, always expect, okay, if you're up in the major leagues, you're mm-hmm. you're ready to be that top guy now. Where right. you know it, it does, it's going to take them two three years to kind of figure things out, and and then if he does it in the right way, at the, in the right kind of time frame, when he gets to like that twenty seventh year season, he's going to hit the ground running, and he's going to be something to really be um, a force within in the not only in the organization, but obviously in Major League Baseball too, but not a great outing. He's going to have these outings. Not the only time he's going to have these kind of outings, like I mentioned, three and two-thirds, seven hits, three runs, three walks. 
So you had Andrew Wants, a guy we talked about a little bit a little bit ago, comes in, goes two uh, or one and two thirds innings, only get one hit, two strikeouts. Another guy where you're right, he's been up and down, which um, he has been kind of inconsistent here and there, but he has shown times like this where he can, because I think he has been a starter in Salt Lake, so he can give you these multi innings, mm-hmm. inning and a half, you know, kind of uh, results. But uh, another young guy, another guy that you know, hopefully that they are able to kind of groom another 25, 25 year old. Uh, you know, the way it's going right now with some of the guys that get brought up, whether it's position players or pitchers, this team's gonna be really young next year. It feels like. Yeah, it does. It really does. Um, you know, with, yeah, just talking about the relief guys that you mentioned, um, I feel like it's going to be a very young bullpen. Um, and then obviously with some of the position guys, like, you know, namely, uh, Marsh and, and Adele, um, I think they're definitely going to lean, lean a little younger, um, in, in, in some respects of this team. I think they'll probably fortify the bullpen with maybe a couple other veteran pieces. Like they tried to with C-Sheck and Watson, uh, just before the start of this season, but, yeah, for the most part, I think they're going to try to let these younger guys, Warren, um, uh, Marte, Wants, you know, we'll see what they do in spring training, but uh, I think they're going to let them play. So, it, you know, it makes sense for the, for the Angels to go after Iglesias, Rossell, and, and re sign mm-hmm. him to be the closer. But let's say they do that. Let's say they do re sign Rossell. And you see these young guys, like you mentioned, getting kind of been part of the system right now and actually doing okay. Do you still feel like they need to have another, like, not just a veteran, but like a high price veteran lockdown kind of guide in that bullpen? Or do you think Rossell in the ninth inning and then maybe Warren becomes that eighth inning or, or, or someone along those lines? Do you think that's enough? Or even like Marte, you know, Marte obviously has great stuff. Marte can be an eighth inning guy. Do you think there's enough there? Or do you think they need another like high price shutdown kind of guy? Yeah. I mean, I think it's hard to say. I mean, I would, I would be on the side of caution and say they should go and get another high leverage guy so that, if it doesn't work out with those guys, they're, they kind of have a backup plan. But if it does work out with Warren and some of these other guys, then they just have kind of a – they would have kind of a, an abundance of, of, of great pieces to kind of close out the game. So I would err more on the side of sign Iglesias and then maybe sign kind of like an, a veteran guy that, has, that still has some upside um, that can just be a veteran presence because these guys are still really young. And, you know, the reliever role is so volatile that you don't really know what you're going to expect year to year. And I think um, – if anything, you look at the, the team like the White Sox right now that went out of the deadline and got like Kimbrel and they got Hendricks yeah. already. So it's like they got so many guys down there. So I think the more guys you can get, the better um, to, to pair with with the young arms for sure. And that's a good point, too. You talk about the, the White Sox. They already had a pretty good bullpen before mm-hmm. they made the additions at the deadline. That's, I think that's almost kind of what the Angels need to do, too, is like, yeah, you resign Russell, you, you get these young guys. Now, if it's close, if it, if you're like in the White Sox situation where you're leading to the division and an actual like a World Series contender, yeah, then you can add on and trade many pieces away and work mm-hmm. the budget with that because that's obviously going to cost you money also. But I don't know if the, I don't know if that's necessarily a huge need right now unless unless something happens with these younger guys that this they kind of blow up and they don't show that they can be this consistent consistent right. uh, presence like they have been. But uh, I think I think we're we're in agreement. Rossell at this point needs to be a re-sign. If you're not going to dull him at the at the trade deadline, there's no reason not to re-sign him. Otherwise, you lost out on a on a real big opportunity. Yep. So so after Detmers goes out, Wentz comes in again, uh, ending in two thirds, only one hit, two strikeouts, look really good. Stop the bleeding at that point. Um, Myers comes in for two uh, for two thirds of an inning, gives up one run. Cshek comes in, gives up two hits, one walk, and a run. 
Um, Selman comes in for the last two innings, and at that point, they're just kind of making trying to get through the game. He goes two innings and has a uh, has a pretty good, I think, clean. Yeah, only gave up one hit over two innings. So, you know, it's a four run game, not a huge spread, but they had not gotten anything going offensively the whole game. Um, like we talk about McKenzie going seven innings, two hits, one run. Uh, eight strikeouts. The, the Angels' offense again just seems to be really uh, stuck in the mud over this last series, and I think it's very frustrating as fans to see that great Detroit series, great Detroit game where they're just scoring runs and then come back mm-hmm. the first two games and score just two runs total. Yeah, that's brutal. Um, you know, I think you definitely miss you know Trout at this point. You definitely miss uh, Rendon at this point, and then you miss you know early season. Uh, Walsh. Uh, Jared, Jared Walsh as well. Right. Exactly. When he was really on fire, you know, he, he ended last year really hot and he started this year really hot. And probably since about, I don't know, I want to say like June, May or June, he's his, his numbers have just been kind of like trending downward. Like if, his, if the season ended today, he'd still have like a OPS of like 800 something and, and still be, you know, have a really nice season, but his numbers have been really ticking really down. I feel like he's been at 22 homers forever, mainly because right he was injured for a while and he's just coming back, but you know, I, I leave that up to maybe, you know, just trying to get back into the swing of things uh, after his injury and being sidelined for a little bit, but yeah, not, not great for Walsh really. Yeah. Walsh has been struggling his last 15 games, uh, zero home runs. So you're right. He's been stuck on that home run total for a while. Eight RBIs, 17 strikeouts. He's batting 216 with a on base of three, 322 and slugging 235. So, yeah, Yeah. he's really struggling right now. He's coming out of the all-star break, coming out of the injury. Part of me is thinking maybe he's still a little bit tweaked up. If this kind of keeps on happening, like I wouldn't be surprised if towards the end of, you know, mid to end September, if you're kind of like, hey, IL for Jared Walsh, re-aggravated the back or something like that, because he doesn't seem right. I don't know if it's as simple as just him not having his timing right, because He's been back now for a handful of games to where you kind of feel like you will start seeing a little bit more production and getting a little better, but it just hasn't yeah. really seemed to to be like that. So we'll see what happens with Walsh. I still think he is the first baseman of the future for the Angels. I don't yeah. think I, I wouldn't go into an offseason thinking that they have a question mark there. I think honestly, he's never played this much. You talk about last season. Right. Last season was sixty games, and even then, he came back after a stint at the alternate site. So he's never played a season this long. His body is not used to playing a season this long. Maybe it's just part of the, uh, you know, body maturing aspect of it where he just needs to kind of get back into that kind of a shape. But he's a guy that, yeah, they really miss his offensive production, especially with, like you mentioned, Rendon trout out, uh, you know, cause uh, Mayfield and, and, and Gosselin can only carry, carry you guys, carry this team so much. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, yeah, Goslin is a nice piece still. I still like him. But yeah, I mean, when he's playing every day, uh, it's not the most optimal situation. Same thing with Mayfield, although Mayfield almost tied it up tonight. But yeah, yeah. it's um, yeah, it's not not great, not great. So like we mentioned, the Angels end up losing this game five to one. Um, the first two games of the series scored a total of two runs, get outscored fourteen to two from. From when they scored, they scored eight in Detroit and then three in Detroit and then 13 in Detroit to only score two in the first two games in Cleveland. Uh, Definitely is kind of a surprise. So I want to talk about Spotify Greenroom. Spotify Greenroom is a live audio-only sports talk platform, which is free to download and free to use. 
You can talk to other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. All you need to do is download the Spotify Greenroom app free in the iOS or Android app store. Create a profile, link it to your Twitter, and join. That's it. It's that easy. So go ahead and check out Spotify Greenroom. Going into today's game, the 22nd, obviously the Little League Classic, a lot of hype, a lot of, um, you know, PR around it, around their MLB, the Angels and stuff like that. We knew this was going to happen for a while. Uh, first off, jerseys. What did you think of the jerseys? Yeah, I thought they were pretty solid. Um, you know, they kind of are what they are. Um, I know the Angels had West, and I think the the Indians had Great Lakes, yep. um, which is cool. Um, but, yeah, I thought they were fine, um, honestly. I, I didn't have too much of an issue with them. I definitely like them um more than some of like the city connect jerseys that are floating yeah. around right now and, and that sort of thing so yeah i i didn't have any issue with them no i liked them the only thing with, with me and obviously it has nothing to do with the jersey i guess it has to do with the teams but with cleveland and the angels i kept on thinking of hockey uniforms because i had the c mm-hmm. for the cleveland and the a for the angels so i just kept on thinking captain and alternate captain yeah, like yeah, a hockey. yeah, yeah. and so like it was weird like i'm trying to think like oh ramirez is a captain that's cool and i'm like oh no wait, he's oh. just that's just the the block c for cleveland that everyone's wearing but other than yeah. that i liked i liked it you know this is like the second one-off if you will this season if you count the uh, was it the Field of Dreams game that was a couple weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how do you like these one-off games? How do you like these games where they go off to these alternate sites in the middle of a series and 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 play with some kind of uh, meaning behind it? Yeah, I think it's cool. I think I hated on the Field of Dream, uh, Field of um, yeah, the Field of Dreams game before it happened, and then I watched the game and I was like, oh, this is awesome. But if if the goal is to like. Um, continue to kind of cater to baseball fans i think these games are cool but if it's to like expand the fan base and bring in like non-baseball fans or like the casual fan i don't know how too many people that would be interested in like a little league game but for baseball fans they're really cool i think the field of dreams game was pulled off a little better than this one um but the little league game is is cool it seemed like the players were hanging out at the park kind of all day i saw saw brandon marsh like took a slide slide down down the hill yeah down the berm or whatever on like a cardboard box so it seemed like they were just like chilling like hanging out with the with the kids all day which is really cool uh otani got a bunch of autographs or he signed a bunch of autographs i should say um so yeah just like a really laid-back event um the park is cool um yeah yeah, I like it too. It's like you look at the um, Field of Dreams game, and that kind of goes towards or that kind of draws the attention of a certain age, like an older, yeah. and like you know, uh, the thought of like, oh, that when that movie came out in the 80s and like mm-hmm. the whole playing catch with your dad kind of thing. Like, I feel like that kind of is targeted to like an older crowd. And then with the Little League World Series, you kind of get the younger kids involved in it and kind of draws that crowd. So yeah. I kind of like the idea. I don't know if they did it on purpose or if that's even part of it, but like, you kind of have something for the older fans, but you also have something for the younger fans that are trying to, you know, get them into the sport and, and stay in the sport. I think a lot of the issues is like everyone plays multiple sports when they're young, like little league age. Yeah. It's like when you get to the high school or, or maybe even a little bit younger than the high school, it's like now you start specializing in one sport or the other. And I think it, the more they can do stuff like this, it kind of keep it going and keeping them involved in baseball long-term will obviously help the game. But um, yeah, it just seemed like the, the, the kids seem like seem like they had a ton of fun, and so did the players. You mentioned Otani. You mentioned um, 
march going down the 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 hill on the cardboard there was a i forgot who on the cleveland indians was playing wiffle ball and and like literally robbed the kid of a home run playing (laughs) wiffle ball you know and how cool is that as a kid to come back and be like yeah i almost hit a home run but you know so and so took it away so that looked like a lot of fun the game on the other hand we talked about the field of dreams game that was explosive that was fun that was offense everywhere that was you know unless you're like a fan of pitching duels Right. That wasn't for you. But otherwise, you had a walk off. You had, I don't know, like six home runs. This mm-hmm. game didn't have uh, nearly as much as that. Cool concept. You love the fact that they're out there in the little league. They have, they do the specialty things really well. And I don't know if you caught it or not, but the mic'd up uh, segment with Jared Walsh at first base was pretty cool. They're talking to him right. and stuff like that. So, like, little stuff like that, I really enjoy in games like this where you get, you do feel like you get a little bit closer to the players than your regular Tuesday game in Anaheim. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, the, the, the access point to the, the players is great. I think ESPN does a pretty good job with that. Um, like they had Trout come on, they had Joe Madden come on, obviously. Um, but yeah, I think the cool thing too, I think you, like when Otani was up to bat, I think in the eighth, um, there were like a bunch of the little leaguers were chanting like, show, hey, show, hey. So that mm-hmm. was really cool. Um, it felt like a close kind of intimate game because I mean, the stadium probably held like, you know, 5,000 people, 4,000 people. So, right. um, yeah, I like the intimacy of it. I like that the kids were like, anytime there was like, even like a pop-up or like a foul ball, kids were like, Oh my yeah. God. Like, well, was it me? Or was like, I don't know if it was where the mics were set up or how like sensitive the mics were, but it just seemed like every single time they made con- like solid contact with the ball it sounded like it was going to fly out, even though it might have been like to the warning track or like, yeah. you know, to the outfield, like, you know, the edge, the middle of the outfield. But it just I don't know, maybe the mics were set up a little bit I, closer, but it just sounded like they got a hold of them. Yeah, I think that's the ESPN mics. Every People have talked about that for a while um, with the ESPN mics just being really loud um, every time you make contact. But but yeah, no, overall, um, yeah, I think the kids enjoyed it. You could tell that the kids were super excited to be there. Um and yeah, it was kind of a, a great experience. They got to see Shohei and you know meet up with Mike. So great. Yeah, and at the beginning of this, beginning of this uh, road trip, Mike Trout did. You know, it was a big news that Mike Trout was going on this road trip with the Angels for the first time since like Minnesota. You know, a month or so back. And you know, part of me just thinks, hey, you know, this was a good opportunity for him to actually get out there and meet fans. I'm sure that was a plus for him and his brand and all that stuff, and just being Mike Trout and then going to Baltimore next close to home, but uh, it was cool to see him out there. And every single baseball little leaguer on the New Jersey Tom's River team got a signed ball from Mike Trout. So that was yeah. that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. That's something that those kids will remember for a long, a long, long time. So in the game itself, Jose Suarez took the mound. You know, he's, again, another one of these guys where you just feel like if he can get things figured out, he'll be fine. You know, he, 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 it seems like his pace is always kind of up and down. It always seems like he's taking too long or not, you know, not long enough. It's just kind of, that's kind of the weird thing about him. He ends up giving up two runs off a home run in the first inning. And it seems like that's been the issue with some of these younger guys yep. so much recently. It's just getting out of that first inning. Yeah, it's been tough for him. And and I think even Vasgersian made a point. Um, I think it was probably the first inning still where, you know, Suarez was laboring and he's really intentional on the mound. You know, he t- definitely takes his time. Um, but yeah, Suarez is an interesting one because coming into the season, if you had told me that Suarez was going to get as many starts as he has this season, I would have been like, oh, my God, like <laughs> what happened to our season? Right. We're really going to rely on Jose Suarez. But no, he's 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 been, you know, 
pretty decent, um, you know, more than you could have asked for, honestly. And it, I was looking at up his age right now, and he's still 23. Yeah, he's um, so young. Which is crazy. He must have made his debut when he was like 21 or 22. Yeah, he was 21 was, in, in 2019, yeah. Yeah, which is just insane, uh, all things considered. So, um, you know, I, I, I like Suarez a lot. I think he's shown a lot if he's this young and he's pitched as well as he has. You know, he gave up, he got into some trouble. Um, but I think he's probably a season or two, maybe next season, he, he'll turn it around. But I see him as kind of a solid guy that um, kind of fits into the middle of the rotation moving forward. Um, he's not saying, I don't think he has the upside of like Sandoval or C-Rod, obviously. But if he can be like a, a fourth or fifth starter and put up like a four ERA or a sub four ERA, which he has up until today, I think. I think his ERA is over four now. Yeah, it's four point oh six. So even yeah. then, I mean, he has one good outing. That thing's in a dip. So yeah, it's like right on be, the edge. If he can be this guy for you know one hundred twenty innings a season, um, I, I feel like we'd be in a good spot. But yeah, exactly. I, you know, that first inning, you know, it just seems like I don't know if he's just he has that. He's like you mentioned, he's twenty three years old. You know, mm-hmm. does he still have? Jitters coming out of out of the starting, you know, starting a game. I don't know, but if you're telling me a 23 year old gets nervous about pitching in front, like on a major league mound, I'm like, yeah, that makes plenty of sense. So I don't know if that's it or what, but it just seems like once he gets in a groove, he's okay. And after that, he, you know, he his innings did, you know, his pitches in the innings did add up fairly quickly. He ends up giving up another run uh, in the fourth. Uh, so. You know, he, he goes four innings, six hits, three runs, two walks, four strikeouts, and the one home run we talked about earlier in the first inning. But all in all, not a terrible outing. Like, yeah, you want him to push more, but if you can get only three uh, runs scored on him and then, like, come in, Warren, Ciszek, both go two innings each, absolutely shut it down, mm-hmm. that's good enough to win a game. You should be able yeah. to, you know, at least, um, especially a team that's – like the angels they're hovering around constantly around 500 they're constantly um up and down kind of like the angels but three runs in this game should have been enough to make it competitive and the angels did not come up um clutch in certain situations some guys didn't come clutch in certain situations so uh hard hard to blame the pitching in this aspect because you know angels lose three three to three to oh so even if it's a two-run game it's still not enough so um some guys that seem to be really be struggling, um, Upton, Stassi, some of these guys, uh, Iglesias, are getting not only not getting on base, but just striking out and, and kind of hitting in double plays. I will say this though: Upton did hit one really, really hard. I think in the fourth or fifth inning that yeah. ended up into a double play. But right. if that's if that finds a hole, that's going to run right there. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's just it's just you know it is what it is at this point. Um, you know, Upton since coming back from that injury. Uh, a little while ago now he's kind of hasn't been the same player we talked about walsh and his struggles um iglesias yeah i'm kind of shocked at iglesias's numbers honestly um yeah he struck out twice tonight and he's got a two he's got a 666 ops which is below league average i think league average is 700 so he's hitting below league average um but yeah i i think i have like bias with iglesias because i feel like every time i watch an angels game iglesias is like getting a double or like making contact <laughs> and getting a single or something but yeah he's been struggling too so um yeah it's just all across the board and then you got the young guys who you know marsh has been playing uh hitting better lately uh adele after that grand slam in detroit almost got one today yeah he that, did. That, that one that he connected with it just mm-hmm. went foul that had some distance on it and and <laughs> 
I liked it too because right yeah. after that they started showing the reactions of some of these little leaguers, and then yeah. obviously kids are going to be kids, and they're going to show mm-hmm. like their their emotion out there. And there's like a handful of kids where their hands like that they got up for it. Like even though it was foul, yeah. they started clapping, and then even that next pitch, it was you know Joe, Joe, mm-hmm. Joe. They started a little chant, but that was cool. But yeah, he he just barely missed that, and then that would have been a, a two run home run. That would have changed the whole aspect of the game. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, these, uh, you know, Adele and Marsh, um, you know, it's going to be kind of up and down for them the rest of the season. Um, you know, they're kind of in their growing stages as well as, you know, um, you know, obviously this is Adele's kind of second trip to the, to the show. This is Marsh's first. Um, but uh, you know, Adele, if I could say about Adele real quick, defensively, dude, he looks it's like way a, better. It's God. like a freaking, Oh my gosh. It's like a completely different guy. Um, yeah, like the routine, because like even like the routine plays last season, he was kind of not doing great on. Um, and all the routine fly balls and stuff this season uh, have been great. And he's made some diving catches. I think he yep, almost he made, made a diving catch today. in this game, but just missed it. But yeah. Yeah. And, and you mentioned too, the, talking about Joe, it seemed like last year, a lot of it had to come off that first step mm-hmm. where yeah. this reading it off the bait, off the bat, he didn't do it. Like he would see it off the bat, take a step right and then oh realize oh no and then have to like kind of turn right to go the other direction and by then he kind of may have lost it or just wasn't able to make up the ground where this season it seems like he's reading it off the bat really well mm-hmm. getting to some hard balls even cutting off some hard hit balls to keep singles or doubles the singles and just like you mentioned there's been a handful of plays where he's making diving catches and honestly too i think the biggest thing that people don't really talk about enough is that he's doing it both in right and left yeah, and anyone that's played baseball long enough in the outfield knows that the spin on the ball, the way the ball kind of comes at you in these two positions, can be different. And to be literally in left field one night or two nights in a row, and then the next time being, you know, the opposite field for the next, you know, three nights in a row. It, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, he's and he for him to be doing that well in both spots um, is a plus for the Angels because now when Trout gets back, when, you know, whatever they do with that, with that outfield position, you feel comfortable putting Joe in right or left and not having to be like, well, he's not really great at right. Like, yeah. Upton's stuck at left. He can't play right for right. whatever reason. But mm-hmm. it feels like Joe can play either one, and that's obviously going to help him going forward. Yeah, for sure. It seems like they're kind of trying to gauge which spot he fits better in this season. You know, they're trying to say like, okay, in 2022, is Joe going to be in left or is he going to be in right? Obviously, you have Upton and left until I think the year after next. Yeah, the end of next year. Yeah, 22 is his last year. Right. So uh, he'd probably be a right fielder. But yeah, uh, you know, there, I think, yeah, I mean, it's it's been great to see him um, kind of flourish really in, in the outfield and be a, a better defensive player. So we kind of talked about that at bat um, with Joe. That was, I believe, in the eighth inning. He ends up walking. Otani comes up mm-hmm. later that inning. He ends up walking as, as well. So now you have one on, bases loaded. Perfect opportunity to, to to put some runs on the board. You had David Fletcher coming up. Uh, again, one out, bases loaded. The one thing you can't do is roll into a double play. Exactly what Fletcher does. So um, they yep. get out of that inning. You know, and there was some talk about it on Twitter right now. Some some people on Angels Twitter, mm-hmm. you know, Fletcher has a high average. You know, he's hovering around that three hundred, but his on base isn't necessarily um, high up there. He doesn't take a lot of walks. He doesn't, you know, yeah. even work the count. I think uh, Vaskersian said on on the broadcast today he takes the least amount of pitches per at bat in in baseball. 
Right. So he's not, you know, he's just going up there and, and trying to find the first thing he thinks he can hit and put it in play. Is that sustainable? Like, I, I guess better yet, the average looks good, but do you look at the other stuff and kind of judge like, you know, he's an okay hitter. He's not a great hitter. Yeah, I think he's an okay hitter. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I think it's tough. Yeah, because sometimes I, for the last couple of seasons, I've been looking at Fletcher and I'm like, you know, he doesn't slug for much at all. So I think when you look at like his OPS and stuff like that, um, which combines, you know, slugging and, and on base, it's like under league average. It's 696 right now. Um, and that probably has to do with his slugging percentage, which is at 367, which is really low. So he doesn't hit a lot of homers, doesn't hit a lot of doubles. Extra bases, yeah. Yeah, extra base hits, that sort of thing. So I think that's where kind of as a player, you're like, hmm, you know, you wish he kind of had a bit more pop. He's a, he's a rarity in today's game. You know, he's he's a high contact guy. He's always going to put the ball in play. Um, which in certain situations is a good thing. But in a situation right. like today where it's, it's not a good thing because you – you know, you put a ball in play, you can make it a double, especially when you can't really hit for power. Yeah. You, there's a good chance of it being put into and, in, you know, in double play. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what happened where, you know, maybe a strikeout there isn't the worst thing in the world because, okay, well, it's one out, but now at least you have another opportunity with Upton coming up and, and who knows what would happen with that. But yeah, yeah, it just seems like he's, he's great on average, but like you mentioned, just his other numbers, his power numbers, his on base numbers aren't, aren't elite. Like you would think, when you think about David Fletcher, you know, base hit machine. It's like, yeah, at times, <laughs> at times. Yeah, he gets he gets a lot of his stuff is that happens with luck, you know. But when you put the ball in play as much as he does, a lot of the stuff that's going to happen with him is going to be a lot of luck. But I mean, not saying that he's not a great hitter, but, um, you know, there's times where, you know, he'll go three. I mean, he obviously he had a what was it? Twenty three, twenty four game hit streak. This right. Season. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he's going to get into some streaks, but, you know, putting the ball in play as much as he does, uh, he's going to get um, some ground balls to the shortstop or ground balls to second base pretty often. So, yeah. And then, too, like those base hits, the heat hit streaks were, you know, going the opposite way or finding the gap, a blooper. Yeah. You know, he's not a guy that's, uh, you know, he has a hit streak of 20 games and has. 10 extra base hits in that time. It's just, that's not going to, that's not going to be his game. So, I, I mean, he's a great hitter. I just don't know necessarily if, I mean, he does have a reputation of being like a clutch hitter because he does put the ball in play. And like you mentioned, you're going to get, you're, yeah. they're going to fall at some point. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's just, it sucks in those situations where base is loaded and you have a double play because you do put the ball in play so much and it's not hit hard really it's it's, it's kind of one of those hopefully yeah. it finds a gap and it gets through kind of deal it's tough because you always hear gooby on the broadcast like oh david fletcher's up you know he's great with runners in scoring position and you know you know fletch is going to come through here and he comes through a lot of times when there's running runners in scoring position because he does put the ball in play so often but uh a lot of times you're going to hit into these double plays so i will say though i agree with a lot of people when they say a fletcher leading candidate for the gold glove at second base he has yeah. been he has been really good at second base to a point where, mm-hmm. you know, he gets a gold glove at second base. Maybe, I don't know if depending on who is going to be that shortstop next year, maybe bump him over. If you're not able to get a guy that you want or you feel comfortable with, mm-hmm. maybe put him there, maybe have, you know, Renhifo at second, if he can at least develop somewhat in, in this next off season, but I don't know, but I definitely think Fletcher is a, um, uh, one of the one of the one of the best defensive second basemen. He's kind of evolved into that in the last couple of years for sure. 
Yeah, it feels like they're pretty set on Fletcher being at second. I know the first couple of years Fletcher was up, they were moving him around a lot. Like they had him play third a few times. Remember shortstop. Play third, right? They yeah. had him play shortstop. It was pretty much he, wherever anyone was hurt, he would go into that, that but it's, spot. But it's interesting, even with Rendon out, they haven't put Fletcher at third at all. So no. it, seem, it seems to me that Fletcher is like, they, they, they think he's the second baseman for from now until the future so well that too and i'm wondering too if they did put him at third i don't know if they feel comfortable enough with goslin or just people that are up Mm -hmm. right now they put goslin there do they put mayfield there like i don't necessarily know if that's more because they don't have a because i'm trying to think when he has a day off who's playing second base but he doesn't really have any days off to think about it so you know yeah yeah. goslin to me seems like the logical fit for if if fletcher was to play third or something like that right this was still in the lineup it'd be goslin at second but i don't i can't really remember too many times goslin being at second so so the angels coming up this next series or have an off day monday and then go to baltimore for the next three games which is going to wrap up this um long road series the, the Orioles right now are in a historic uh, slump uh, streak, yep. if you will. They are they have lost 18 in a row as we speak right now, Sunday night, and they do they also have Monday off, so um, they're taking that streak into face the Angels this coming week. They have a Bundy. Angels have Bundy on uh, Tuesday, Otani on Wednesday, and I believe on. Thursday, it might still be a TBD. It is. So um, Bundy and Otani are the only ones really penciled in right now for the rotation going mm-hmm. forward. And I'm sure, you know, probably Tuesday, they'll probably announce that Thursday starter. But I think they kind of, Angels have to sweep this series just as a fact of just like, don't be that team that lets a team that's lost 18 in a row beat you kind of deal. Yeah, it was a similar situation when the D-backs were, had that long losing streak uh, earlier right. in the year when the Angels went over there. And I think the Angels took most of the games against the D-backs. But yeah, you got to beat you got to beat a team like this when they've lost 18 in a row. I didn't realize the losing streak had gotten that bad. That's just awful. Um, you know, as Angels fans, we complain about the Angels season so far, but uh I couldn't imagine Angels Twitter if we had lost, lost 18 in a row. So, Lost eighteen in a row and are thirty eight and six or thirty eight and eighty five right now. Yeah, won thirty eight games. That's crazy. They're probably on pace to lose at least like over one hundred and five, hundred and four games. Oh so, yeah. So yeah, I mean, we gotta we gotta take definitely gotta try to sweep this. Bundy on the mound in the first game, coming back to Baltimore, kind of. Oh yeah, huh? I didn't even think about that. Yeah, his first yeah. time back in Baltimore since I've, the. Uh, the trade, that's right, because they didn't do any of the, the coast-to-coast stuff last yeah, year. So it's, yeah, this is probably the first time Bunny's going to be back. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Hopefully, I don't know, he can – I don't know. It's Yeah, we'll see. Bundy makes me a little nervous, but Shohei in the second game, hopefully we see another performance like Shohei did against yeah. that, that kind of average um, line, uh, Detroit Tigers uh, lineup. Lineup and the Orioles are have kind of a similar lineup. Not too many great guys in there. Um, so I, I predict a, another strong Otani start on on Wednesday. The only reason why I think the Angels could legitimately sweep the the Orioles is because if you look at the Angels' record right now, it's sixty two and sixty four. Mm-hmm. They sweep the three game series. They're going to be one game above five hundred, and we all know that's kind of like the cap that they've been at. Yeah, for the last two months, two months three months, and so yeah. they'll be. Uh, one game above 500 just in time for when uh, San Diego comes to town. So there you go. 
So I have a feeling they'll take the three out, three out of the three. But you know, offense definitely needs to produce more. Offense definitely needs to kind of show up and mm-hmm. um, uh, just put runs on the board, like and, and do it consistently. Not wait till the end or you know do it all the beginning and stuff like that. I think that's been their biggest issue. So another thing that happened this week, a little bit of news before we wrap up. Like we mentioned before, Mike Trout is on the road trip right now with the Angels, and he was out um, running around, and he did finally talk to the media this week, which had been a really like rare thing since his injury and going on the IL. Right. Um, did come out. Now, when they say sprain, that's kind of a technical it's, – it's kind of is a tear already, but Trout did come out and say that it was a pretty bad tear of the calf. It wasn't just a sprain. Um, so what are your thoughts we, all this kind of new information and just all that when it came out? Yeah, I've read stuff about that too, how a sprain is actually a tear and, you know, I'm not a doctor, so I, I don't really know, but, uh, you know, it seems like trout has made it. Um, I think the injury is more severe to him than he had thought or the door to, to any of us had actually thought. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure kind of what the timetable is for him yet. Obviously, it still seems like it's very much up in the air. Uh, it wouldn't be shocking if they shut him down for the rest of the year. Um, on the broadcast tonight with ESPN, he did say that um, it's just a matter of kind of the the healing phase. That's kind of um, after he does and goes out and does a workout, um, I guess it's still feeling sore. So he was saying it'd be hard right now to play back-to-back games, uh, which is what he said on the ESPN broadcast. So um, obviously he's still not close yet. Um, the fact that it's been a few months now and he's still saying that he wouldn't be able to play back-to-back games uh, is a little uh, little uh, concerning. Um, it's it sucks, man. It's it's a big waste of a, of a season. Um, and I'm a you know as a big Mike Trout guy, obviously, and it is an Angels fan. You would love to see him kind of be more healthy and and obviously work on those Hall of Fame numbers and help the right. team win. You know, um, so yeah. When I look back at this season, and I see eight home runs. I'm like, oh man, you could have had forty. And when, <laughs> when he gets to when he gets to like 495 home runs, I'm going to be like, man, 2021, he could have had five hundred already. Yep. So. Yeah. yeah, and this is his. This is Mike Trout's quote in um, an article by Red Bollinger a couple of days ago. He says, "Quote: Real frustrating. One of the hardest things I've ever uh, been through in my career. I've been through some injuries, but this thing is tough. I didn't realize how much I use my calf. It's frustrating, and obviously, I want to be back soon, but I got to be smart. I can't go out there and compromise, or something else happens. Uh, I got to make sure this thing is fully right before I get back out there. So, obviously, you know." He's thinking about I can't go out there and lay and, and and like I mentioned before, anyone that's done any kind of sports, you go out there and you overcompensate for their hurt knee, then you know something else kind of pops up. So I think mm-hmm. that's kind of what's in his mind right now is like I have to make sure I'm going out there 100. percent And you know it, it might be a minute, it might be until you know uh, we're almost in September. It might be till September, and he only gets maybe the last couple weeks in. But I think two weeks. Fully healthy Mike Trout is still a good thing. I wouldn't want it to happen if it was two weeks of Trout at 80%. At that point, I think you shut him down. But if he's yeah. confident that he's at 100% and he can come back, I think if you can get him with like two, three weeks, I think that's a that's a huge uh, plus. And, and it's cool just to see him out there again too, running around. And it kind of answers that question, where would they put Trout with a, with a Marsh and Joe um, outfield, which I think a lot of people have talked about recently mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, you wonder. I mean, this is this injury is is kind of a. Hopefully, this isn't kind of a 
uh, a look into the future and Trout being kind of limited on his feet. And maybe this is the first step in terms of like moving him to a corner spot because we see how good uh, Brandon Marsh is out in center field. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think Trout's at that point yet where he needs to move out to right as soon as he comes back up for sure. But uh, in the next year or two, you know, you could probably definitely see him moving to a corner spot. Yeah, definitely. So that's kind of the big uh, injury news, you know, Trout working his way back, Trout trying to get back. Um, we'll see how this next stretch of games go again. A three game series against Baltimore off Monday, going Tuesday, Wednesday at 4 05 uh, West Coast time, and then Thursday, uh, 10 o'clock in the morning, uh, the getaway day before they come back to open up a two game series against the San Diego Padres. A weird Friday, Saturday, off day, Sunday kind of thing, but um, that's down the line. So, um, so that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the All Angels Podcast. Again, you can follow us on our social media feeds, Halo underscore Haven, both on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, Mike, what is your Twitter handle if people want to follow you? Uh, you can follow me at ChewingCast. Uh, always tweeting Angel stuff and just general MLB stuff as well. Awesome. So that is Mike Brown. I am Down Garcia. And you listen to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.